Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, did Devontae Graham hit a slump-busting shot? How much did P.J. Washington actually help them with their win last night? We take a look at the schedule next week and this. <laughs> I mean, I, it's just jibber-jabber in my ear. Like, I can't, I can hear. I have no clue what you said. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. The Hornets get a win last night breaking a losing streak that had been lasting for a while. And they needed this one because the schedule gets a little bit tougher, as they say, 109, 106. Uh, when do, you look at the Hornets... Do they say that? The schedule, the, the schedule gets a little bit tougher, as they say. Well, as we have been talking about this entire time. Right? Oh, as I mean, we say. We look at, as we say, I guess, yeah, I guess as we say, I guess as what most people say, if you've been paying attention, <laughs> I think it's what most people say. Sorry, I'm not, I'm sorry. Listen, you're you're not feeling a hundred percent. You're you're a hottie with a snotty right now, and I'm I just made you feel even worse by disrupting your flow. I apologize. No, that's the sign of a good producer, though. It's you want to <laughs> stop the flow immediately when the show starts. That's the sign of a really good producer. I always appreciate you doing that. But like I was saying, 109-106, the Hornets, they win by three points. And they tried to lose this game. Uh, the classic Hornets falling into a big deficit. They finally come back. This has happened a couple of times against the Cleveland Cavaliers. The last time Terry Rozier tried to save them all together and he missed a wide open three pointer at the end of that fourth quarter, they would eventually lose by a bucket here. Terry Rozier again, pretty much saves them being the, uh, being, being the, the predominant score in this game. Having 30 points, he always balls out when he's in Cleveland. He talked with Ashley Shamity after this game and said that it's his hometown, so he's in his home state. Always wants to show out for the people that are there supporting him. He did so again last night. There were a couple of bad Terry Rozier moments, but for the most part, helped them win that game. We'll talk about it later. So the Hornets get the big three by Devontae Graham, but struggling once again. He's not out of a slump, but maybe he can get out of it after that game winner that he had yesterday. Uh, it puts him up. And then Chetty Osmond comes down, hits a three-pointer, makes it 108-106 with four seconds remaining. Then Dwayne Bacon goes out of bounds to inbound the ball. And he inbounds it and throws it out of bounds on the other end, or basically at the half-court line to his left side. <laughs> and you see Don't. Bismack Biombo put his heads on, uh, hands on his head. You see everybody else kind of get frustrated with Dwayne Bacon. And then the refs huddle together. And it was the ref closest to James Borrego that was adamant when they showed the huddle that the refs had. It was the ref closest to James Borrego that was adamant that, no, Borrego called the timeout. I heard it, flat out heard it. And they eventually granted the Hornets a timeout. Cleveland was upset. Eventually, that would help the Charlotte Hornets win the game after a Colin Sexton missed three at the end of uh, regulation. Hornets barely squeaked by on this one, Doug. It wasn't pretty, but they got it done. Well, it wasn't pretty, but they needed it. I mean, they desperately needed it. This, in Cleveland, this is where this whole slide started. And so to get the win here, I think, was extremely important for this team. A uh, 20-5 to run to end the, the fourth quarter. Well, well, really to the last nine seconds when 
when you had another three that that brought them back, brought Cleveland back within three. But really, a 25, 20 to five run to to win this game, and a lot of it, Devontae Graham. Not, I mean, everybody's going to remember that big three that he hit. By the way, hat tip to Terry Rozier, who comes around and kind of fakes a screen, just kind of holds his arm out there, and it was just enough to catch Kevin Love's periphery, Kevin Love guarding Devontae Graham, and it just shifted Kevin Love enough to get Devontae Graham the space that he needed to rise up and hit that deep three. So a lot going on in this one, but it really was Devontae Graham getting to the rim. I mean, were you surprised how aggressive Graham was at taking the ball to the rim to get fouled. Well, I, I think we had seen him get aggressive. I, I'm not really surprised, to be honest with you. I feel like we've seen this at, and even at the end of game moments where it's kind of taken a little bit on a, of what Kimball Walker used to do. I mean, I think we've seen Devontae go to the rim a decent amount of times, and it's just he's not hitting those shots. But, Doug, when you talk about him being aggressive, it's funny. Yeah, he was definitely taking it to the rim last night, but only eight field goal attempts for Devontae Graham in this game. The, that's the least amount of field goal attempts since November 2nd when he played on the road against Golden State, and that's tied for the second least amount of field goal attempts, and that was uh, October 30th when he only shot seven times against the Sacramento Kings. So that Kings and Golden State game, both of those games uh, were consecutive. And then again, he shot at least 10 in every single other game until this one against Cleveland. I wonder if that's the slump getting in his head a little bit more, or if that was just the game flow. Um, but again, I hadn't shot 40% since that Nets game, and that's kind of what I'm looking for a little bit just to find something respectable. But at least Devontae, he hits that last shot, and I wonder if that can be a slump buster because that was a huge shot. Maybe that can gain some confidence back for him. Yeah, you look at his usage percentage for this game, 16.7, far lower uh, than Terry Rozier's 30.1, kind of matched Dwayne Bacon's 16.7. So not only was he not taking a lot of shots, but the ball wasn't in his hands I don't think it was the slump getting in his head necessarily. I think he was trying some different things. Terry Rozier, obviously, after that last game in Cleveland, the ball was going to go to him a little bit more in this game, and so there may have been a little deference to Terry Rozier. Um, but I don't think I don't think the slump's getting in his head. I mean, I think he, especially after that fourth quarter, I think he's he's going to be just fine. He needed that narrative shot, that shot that was going to get him back. I saw uh, Mike Prada from SB Nation comment on how good Devontae Graham has been when we 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 that have watched closely have known that he's in this slump but I'm telling you for the national narrative you need these types of shots to remind people that yes you are a future star in this league well and it had been so bad the last few the last 10 games or so and so it's funny I put out that show yesterday discussing the serious doubts I have of Devontae Graham making the all-star team and it was always going to be a long shot anyway but I thought that there might be somewhat of a shot because of the national recognition that he was getting. So I put that show out yesterday and then immediately following, I see Matt Moore's tweet that my singular all-star take is that Devontae Graham should be in the game. And then I think it was Dave the four maybe quote tweeted and said, yeah, I'm here for this. But then you look at the comments, Doug, and this is what people do when you don't watch the Charlotte Hornets. When you don't watch teams, you have to look at the stat line and try to create your own opinions. And so the comments after both of those tweets were, man, the dude's shooting under 40%. What? With those shooting numbers? And so, you know, the fans... give me the highlights, baby. 
Yeah, the, the fan vote reflects that when he doesn't even get into the top 10 as far as guards go in the Eastern Conference. And there was a couple of hilarious votes like Taco Fall being in there, Alex Amazing. Caruso. You know, so I, I'm, not, I'm not a huge uh, fan of Boston all the time, but hat tip to the fans for trolling the fan vote. I love it. <laughs> I love Because I don't think, I don't personally think the fans should have, it because of things like this, I don't think that fans should have that big of a say in the all-star voting. And so right. I love that the fans are breaking this because I think that ultimately either we just don't see the all-star game as we've always known it and they turn it into something else or they take the vote or a significant portion of the vote away from the fans and we can just get serious about this thing. Well, I mean, they've done this before. Zaza Pachulia was a constant mainstay right. in the top 10 early on, and then eventually he would fizzle out and he would not make the all-star team despite the country of Georgia's excellent attempt to do so. But Devontae Graham, the only guy like that that was in the guards for the Eastern Conference was Kyrie Irving, who is a great player, but he hadn't played all that much this year. And so few more votes than Kimball Walker. Yeah, correct. And then, of course, it is funny to see Boston Celtics fans say, hey, Kimba should be in there above Kyrie. Well, hey, Boston fans, if you want Kimba above Kyrie, maybe take some more time to vote for Kimba and stop, you know, messing around and voting for Taco Fall. How about that? Yeah, Yeah, that's right. There you go. Doug has the solution for that. Let's talk more about this game in the next (laughs) segment here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. That is so Stu God's form that you were about to make fun of people for their opinions of people changing their body. And then mid making fun of other people doing that, you said, I will say this, though, mm-hmm. the guy that I think his body changed. That's correct. Yeah, well, little, you're right. But little known fact about me, I have 2040 vision. So okay. um, that me I'm pretty sure. What, or is it 40, 20 vision? Whatever means that I have great like eagle eye vision. That's Eagle Eye Cherry, by the way. Great underrated band of the 90s. Save Tonight, one of my favorite songs. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Rick Fidel tweeting Doug last night. You think Walker Mail jumped out of his seat when Kevin Porter blocked Bacon Shot? Hashtag <laughs> draft crush. You boo. I did. Rick always likes to clown me for some of the guys that I absolutely loved coming into the draft. I would say if I had to rank my draft crushes, my, my response, by the way, was, yeah, you just get a few draft crushes, and then if one doesn't pan out, you just move on to the next one and hope that guy panned out. It's a great strategy that I completely adopted from you because you have about 10 draft crushes, and then you can start to do that and utilize that strategy to the best of your ability. I would probably have ranked him Brandon Clark as far as guys I loved a lot more than where they ended up going. Brandon Clark, I obviously loved, and then I had to stop talking about him for two weeks straight on the podcast, so then I just moved on to Kevin Porter Jr. But he played well last night, Doug. He was really active, had a couple of nice blocks in transition, had, I believe, nine points in this game, four of eight from the field. Um, Kevin Porter Jr., he looked good despite falling all the way to, I believe, the very last pick in the first round and uh, athleticism on full display last night. To be fair, I do have a lot of draft crushes, but I, I whittle them down by their third year in the league. (laughs) <laughs> by then i normally know who i like and who i don't have you like. fallen out of love with uh, lonnie walker yet or are you still in love with him i think there's still a chance yeah by the way good uh, good night to be named porter jr because michael porter jr also played really well for the denver nuggets he was scoring all three levels 
if we were to come up with a NBA Twitter all-star team, Michael Porter Jr. would certainly be in the starting five. NBA Twitter desperately wants MPJ to be very good. And he gave him something last night. I mean, he, he was really good against the Indiana Pacers, hitting a lot of tough shots. That was the talent that was on full display. So Michael Porter Jr., Kevin Porter Jr., congrats to you guys for having a good night. Uh, a couple of other young players that we can mention in this game, because the Hornets have a lot of them. One guy that was not a draft crush from me, Doug, it was Miles Bridges. We talked about it a lot. And man, it just seems like every single time I look at Twitter when the Hornets are the topic of conversation, at least here locally, or we're about to do a show, it just seems like we have something negative to say about Miles Bridges constantly. And you can say it again. Miles Bridges, 0 of 6 to begin the fourth quarter. So he gets to he gets uh, put on the bench in exchange for Dwayne Bacon, who actually played pretty well in this game. He was owned on defense by Chetty Osman, who got going. This is the second time that he's actually hurt the Hornets in two consecutive games. What are your thoughts on Miles Bridges, Doug? I didn't think he played well on this one. Didn't didn't really show himself, uh, do himself any favors. 22 minutes in this one. Dwayne Bacon got more minutes in this game. Yeah, I thought he started the fourth quarter poorly. And I don't know what, what, what more there is to say. I mean, to me, it's very reminiscent of what was going on with Dwayne Bacon earlier in the year. And that led to Dwayne Bacon ultimately falling out of the starting lineup and then falling out of the rotation. I think the issue is, there's really not a young, another young player forward-wise unless you want it, it. You would really have to elevate a veteran because P.J. Washington already has the starting role. So if, if P.J. Washington had started this year on the bench, then I think there could be some serious conversations about starting P.J. Washington over Miles Bridges. But because P.J. Washington played so well, he got the starting role at the beginning of the season. Now, really the only thing you could do it, because you kind of you can't put Cody Martin there for Miles Bridges because there's a, there's a size issue there. You'd have to kind of shuffle the deck a little bit there. So I, I don't know. I mean, you know, other than starting a veteran, which I mean, seem- I don't I don't know why you can't put Cody Martin there. To be honest with you, Doug. I, don't I mean, know. I, I, I what the the three point shot is what would separate them. Cody was hitting at least a three a game. Miles is an average three point shooter based on his numbers. Although he has he was over five yesterday. But I wouldn't hate that. And if you put Cody Martin in there, I don't think that would be the worst thing because what are you giving up, right? I mean, Miles Bridges, it's not like he's the best rebounder in the world. He had five rebounders against Cleveland. Cody Martin certainly has the effort to go after some rebounds. He's certainly better defensively than Miles Bridges. You know, I mean, I'm not saying you sit Miles Bridges down the entire time, but only 23 minutes for him. Well, I think so game. to me, that's the plan, right? That's we're seeing that play out. We're seeing him start mm-hmm. still, but you you give more minutes to other players who are who are playing well. And now would I be surprised if Miles Bridges were to suffer an injury and have to sit out for six, seven games, and then suddenly his starting spot is gone? That wouldn't surprise me. A lot like we talked about this when Dwayne Bacon went out. I said, this is kind of the, the perfect opportunity. You don't have to, because it's a, to me, it's, it would be a tough thing for a coach to come to a young player, especially in a year where wins and losses are not supposed to matter all that much when you go to a young player and say, hey, listen, uh, we're gonna we're gonna put a veteran in over you. It did, like it doesn't make sense. But if there's an injury and then you have to shuffle the deck, and then all of a sudden the team is playing better, and you look at the plus minus stats, and that lineup is playing a lot better, then it's more justifiable to go to a player and say, "Hey, listen, 
you know, we got to ride the hot hand right now. This is working. Uh, just keep, you know, keep, keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, you'll eventually work your way back in. To me, that's a lot easier for a Miles Bridges, a Dwayne Bacon, or somebody like that to swallow than to just go to them while they're healthy and say, listen, you're, gonna, you're a healthy yank. It's funny because, yeah, how about we never use that phrase again? Let's go to <laughs> when you look at Dwayne Bacon and Miles Bridges, you made that comparison. I think that's interesting because, Doug, when Dwayne Bacon was struggling so much at the beginning of the year, there were a lot of stats to suggest that he was quite literally the worst player in the NBA when he was performing at that time. Yeah. And look, don't come at me saying that these stats don't matter. They don't mean anything. Okay, you're right. You can put whatever level of credence you want to in each of these stats. But the bottom line was that there was a lot of stats that suggested Dwayne Bacon was the worst player in the NBA or at least bottom five. Well, certainly and now, you position. Look at what, and now you look at Miles Bridges and Miles Bridges has a couple of stats out there where if you have the real plus minus where he's a full point below Anthony Tolliver, who's the second, uh, oh, who has man, the I second Anthony lowest I can't. The second lowest uh, real plus minus that there is. I mean, oh, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't interrupt to say that I love Anthony Tolliver. Suddenly, that's a crime. My, Suddenly, my what? love of Bobcat Anthony Tolliver, three point maker, was part of a playoff run for the Charlotte Bobcats. Suddenly, I can't say that. Can we have this conversation about? Dwayne Bacon and Miles Bridges. No, because I love Anthony. Because you like you can't drop a name like Anthony Tolliver into the middle of a ring. It's like dropping a piece of savory, juicy meat in, in a lion cage. You know, if you drop Anthony Tolliver's name into this conversation, I'm gonna I attack know that. it and I'm gonna I'm gonna just gonna rip it up. I know that. I know that once hey man, you gotta stay away from Anthony Tolliver. It's gonna make Doug into a rabid dog. Now I, I wanted to it's have all this over conversation. It. Yeah, a hundred percent. Both of these guys, <laughs> both of these guys have demonstrated worst player in the league type of stats at different times during the season. And then so that's why I wanted to give you credit to your for your comparison until you just slobbered. All oh, over I'm sorry. Him. I interrupted you then. Exactly. I wanted to give you credit for that. It's interesting to see, though. Hopefully, Miles can break out of this. Hopefully, Devontae can break out of his slump because the schedule does get a lot more tough. As they say, we'll take one more break and then finish out the show here on the Locked on Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked on Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. But what he showed in summer league, comma, a Euro step into a windmill during a game, end of comma, oh, could yeah. put him on the radar of a uh, radar, excuse <laughs> radar. Me, of all NBA. Yeah, on the radar, on the radar of <laughs> all NBA fans as a nightly highlight producer. Yeah, you're Charlotte, you're Charlotte coming out there. Yeah, I'm from come from uh, Catawba County. Get so, them on the Raider. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All that talk about Miles Bridges and Dwayne Bacon. I don't think I gave enough love to Dwayne Bacon last night. He did score 15 points. He was a plus seven when he was out there on the floor. Three of four from the free throw line. Two of three from behind the arc. Five of nine from the field. Uh, Dwayne Bacon, four rebounds, two assists for him, actually played well. And Doug, I remember at the beginning of the season talking about Dwayne, just listening to him talk about how much work he put in this offseason. I thought it was as genuine as anybody. Everybody says, you know, I've never felt better. I've put in as much work as I ever have before. Dwayne Bacon loves to play basketball, and I wanted him to be good this year so badly. And James Borrego did, too. We talked about some of the comments regarding Dwayne Bacon on James Borrego's behalf. And he was just so bad at the beginning of the season. I saw Nick Denning tweet this last night. 
it's fun. It's good to see Dwayne Bacon playing well again. And that's exactly how I felt. I just, I, 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 I sighed. I was like, yes, all is right in the world. I want to see Dwayne Bacon play well. And I think he did last night. Anthony Tolliver, 2013-14 is Bobcat season, 64 games, nine games as a starter, was 41% from three uh, from three point percent. His three point percentage was 41%. I'll get it out eventually. 3.9 three-point attempts per game. Only six points per game, but I mean, just a huge shot maker, Anthony Tolliver. PJ Washington has been a pretty big shot maker for the Charlotte Hornets. PJ's just gonna be good for 14. He's a, he's a, he's going to walk out there and immediately get 14 points for you. It's what he's averaging. He doesn't go much higher than that. Doesn't go much lower than that at all. Scoring double digits, I think in every single game this month, he's been on a nice tear as far as making buckets is concerned. He, Devonte Graham, Terry Rozier, those are the guys that are going to get well above 30 minutes in every contest. You thought PJ Washington uh, was a big part of their win last night, Doug. Well, yeah, I think sneakily his defense allowed this team to get that victory. He was a big part of that 20 to five run because he stifled a few easy buckets by Kevin Porter Jr. on some good defensive possessions. He hasn't been great defensively this season, especially I think his post defense is actually pretty good, but it's when he has to step out, go one-on-one with somebody and use his footwork, use a, kind of some lateral speed where he seems to you know get a little loopy and, and get a little burnt. And uh, I thought in this game, though, he was able to just get a few possessions where he made things more difficult for the offensive player and forced up a a bad shot and allowed the team. Now, they got lucky as well because Cleveland missed some wide-open jump shots when they were tied 103. Uh, But I I thought P.J. Washington, big part of why they were able to get this win. His passing was on display last night. Five assists for P.J. Washington. We've discussed it a couple of times that he is a really good passer. And I guess he did demonstrate that against the Cleveland Cavaliers. You speak of the defense. Nate Duncan tweeted this out last night that his one-on-one defense isn't very good. Discussed him kind of getting bodied by Kevin Love a couple times, getting broken down into the post. And and I, I believe he said something about his strength. I don't have the tweet pulled up right in front of me. But, you know, PJ, what I thought about PJ, I, I feel like there's multiple times a game you see him show off his strength, whether it's on offense, oh, whether yeah. it's on defense. Once he learns how to use it uh, to the best of his ability, I mean, I, he's going to be one of the stronger players in all of the NBA. But Nate Duncan finding a, a way to criticize him for his one-on-one defense, which we've criticized him before as well, but a couple moments last night where it actually helped, uh, where his he, defense helped them win. Yeah, you have to understand he's a rookie. I mean, th- yeah, you're going to have something to improve on. I mean, that's fine. If, if, if Nate wants to mention that, I, I think it's fine because it's true. I don't know if he was like making, you know, kind of uh, dumping on him or whatever, but it's fine to point out someone's flaw and say, hey, that's somewhere where they have an opportunity to get better. The cool thing about P.J. Washington is that he does show you those flashes where he can be a really good defender. And so I think the the will is there. The knowledge is there. And I think all he has to put together are some mechanical things and maybe some stuff in the weight room. And that's that stuff that all comes, Walker, like from the inside. You know, that's stuff that you got to just dedicate yourself to in the offseason. And I've never been more confident 
that a player is going to do that. Maybe since Kimba Walker, like Kimba Walker, you could always count on, oh, he's not finishing well inside this season. Oh, he'll get that figured out. I feel the same way about PJ Washington, which is incredible because he's a rookie, but you just get that sense from everyone around the organization. This kid's got it. He knows what to do and whatever flaw he has, he's going to, to figure it out to some extent in the off season and make himself better. So I'm, I'm not worried about PJ Washington, his strength, his defense. I'm not worried about anything because I know it's going to get better in year two, year three, year four, year five. I can keep going year six, year seven, year eight, year nine, constant improvement. Anthony it's it's a tough four game schedule coming up next week for the Charlotte Hornets so it was good that they got this win against the Cavs last night they have the Mavs tomorrow they have the Pacers on Monday the Raptors on Wednesday and the Jazz on Friday so the Mavs on Saturdays on the road the Jazz on Fridays on the road and they have two home games in between them again Pacers Monday Raptors Wednesday tough schedule Doug don't know if I see a win in that schedule no I mean I think they're extremely fortunate to get that W against Cleveland because they could have been staring down the barrel of a 12 game losing streak or 11 game losing streak yeah, so it took a 20 to 5 fourth quarter run for the Hornets. You know what I also kind of noticed in this game? That we just talked about PJ Washington being a rookie and struggling on defense at times. It happens. I'm not worried about that so much as well, but watching Darius Garland last night, Doug, who I liked coming into the draft, watching Darius Garland I thought that he was the most lost of any player that I had watched this season. Darius on defense and on offense, there were guys that were open running towards the basket, just didn't look their way, didn't hit them on defense, just didn't know what he was doing. As far as all the young players that I've seen this year, Darius Garland was the most notable to me as, oh, that guy didn't know what he's doing quite yet. Yeah, 14 points, eight assists, five rebounds. So if you just look at the numbers, you say, okay, yeah. that's a that's a decent night for your secondary guard because really Colin Sexton has improved so much this year. I think everybody thought that Darius Garland was going to come in and quickly dispatch Colin Sexton, who, you know, Sexton, I think of that, that rookie season developed this sort of reputation as like none of the other players on the team liked him. Um, but uh, I guess they've come around because he's improved significantly. And uh, I think Darius Garland is, I think he's still trying to figure out, okay, when do I make it for myself? And when do I work in my other teammates? I that It's just this weird, like, sort of amorphous and it leads to turnovers and it leads to bad offense. And so, yeah, I, I was talking um, to some uh, people that cover the team, uh, cover Cleveland, and they, they are all in that same kind of boat where it's like Darius is, he can definitely be a great player, but he's just in this rookie season, he's just one of these guys that hasn't quite figured it out, which makes sense, right? I mean, he only played four Absolutely. games in college. Yeah. Right. 100%. Like, how no, did that's we exactly not see this I coming? I saw it coming, yeah. by the way. I said that during draft time. Look it up. No, you did. You absolutely loved it. It's not one of my you draft were... crushes, by the way. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And remember, you Never can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter He's at Lockdown Hornets. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll be back with you next week.